Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio, and this is episode 92 for the end of February 2019. And there goes another month off the calendar. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hi. Hi, everybody. Uh, this, well, first a little preface here. Uh, is very late night on the last day of February. I'm trying to squeeze one in again before the end of the month. February is a short month and everything came up kind of quickly for me. And uh, yeah, I, this this episode is another um, with me walking through Greenwood Cemetery, giving you my uh, ruminations about photography. <laughs> I find that yeah, if I plug in a microphone and uh, into my iPhone and grab my camera and walk through Greenwood Cemetery, suddenly a whole bunch of photography things start to pop in my head. But uh, yeah, I decided to do that because I didn't really have any guests for this week, uh, which I would have wanted to have. But uh, again, the past week, there's been a lot of drama in my life. And, uh, and actually, as of today... There's also some more drama, and some of it is on Facebook, and I won't go into it now because it's really kind of ridiculous. Um, but I might save the story for later when I'm a little bit removed from it because it is photography-related. Um, but yeah, this drama has kept me uh, a little bit sapped my energy for actually going for uh, something more for today, but... You know, um, I, I actually enjoy those walks through Greenwood and talking to you guys about my thoughts about photography. And I've gotten some good feedback about that. So I'm going to let the episode stand as is. Uh, it might run a little long. I'm not sure how much editing I'm going to be able to do for it. I'm just going to try to get out the blank spots. I'm still working on it. <laughs> I mean, right now it's very late night. I had a very late day. I'm recording late. And uh, I just don't have a chance to edit the uh, the, the walk through Greenwood yet. And so I'm going to do that tomorrow, which is literally the last day of February. And I want to get this episode out while it's still February just to keep my metrics all nice. You know, I got two episodes a month and stuff like that. And I think I can share this kind of stuff with you guys. You know, this the podcast has evolved in such a way now that I feel like I'm really just directly talking to you and getting to know me as a person as well. I'm not just this voice telling you about photography or talking to you about photography. Um, you know, I'm me and things come up and I kind of like sharing some of that stuff with you guys so you understand it. And we all have this life stuff that comes up. And so, yeah, my life stuff affects how I do the show sometimes. But uh, yeah, now tomorrow I got a work day, so I got to figure out when I'm going to squeeze in time to edit so this is sort of a long way of saying is that the uh, the walk through Greenwood might be a little long, but you know what? It sounds not so bad. I, I was uh, I think I told you last time I was using a, a a Rode Lav mic that I connected to my iPhone, and it is su surprisingly not bad. Uh, you know, it's not a hugely expensive mic, but it, well, it wasn't cheap. And, you know, there's enough of the ambient sound when I'm walking through Greenwood and you can hear me taking pictures and uh, you get enough of the background to know that I'm outdoors, but it's not overwhelming. You can hear my voice pretty well. And I actually didn't really have to do any that much editing for it. Now, I know I'm talking audio. I'm sorry. I'm just geeking out here for a second. But uh, I just wanted you to know so that, uh, you know, 
you know, if you're saying well, that audio is not great, well, you know, it's really not about the audio. It's about the content. And hopefully you find what I'm saying interesting. I mean, you know, when I'm walking through uh, and, and doing one of these podcasts where I'm just talking to you, I'm kind of thinking that uh, I'm walking with somebody who I would like to talk to about photography. And uh, I think, you know, I think you guys are appreciating that. At least I hope you're appreciating it. Uh, I just find that uh, every now and then uh, I like to share something. You know, these solo episodes are, are kind of fun. I, I like I like talking. I'm a chatty guy. And uh, yeah, I'm already spending too much time <laughs> setting this up. So uh, I'll come back at the end and uh, give... Uh, you know, my end outro, but uh, until then, enjoy my recent walk through Greenwood uh, and ruminations, is that the right word, uh, about photography. All right, here we go. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me on this walk, this photo walk in Greenwood Cemetery. Uh, this is not going to be a podcast about Greenwood, but I can think really well when I'm out here shooting and talking about photography. And I thought, you know, while I'm walking around shooting, it's uh, it's Saturday. It's kind of a gray day, and uh, I got a podcast scheduled <laughs> to keep. So I thought I would record some of my thoughts about the past couple of weeks, photography-wise, stuff that came up uh, while I was uh, walking around in Greenwood shooting. Figured anything else that popped up here, well, I would pass along as well while I'm shooting. Uh, I'm out today. It's kind of an overcast day, but there's some sun. Uh, it does mean that there's no shadows in the graveyard. You know, it's also winter. So there's no leaves on the trees, and there's a lot of leaves on the ground. And uh, one of the things that's interesting about this place is that they clean up every single leaf that's on the ground. I mean, these guys, the, the greenskeepers here, they do a fantastic job, but this place is huge, you know? And to clean up all the leaves from this place is just insane and all the broken branches and whatever falls down during the winter by the time the green comes up and the grass comes up there's like almost not a leaf to be seen so they they do a fantastic job here i got to give these guys credit for maintaining this place so well but it does mean like now in the winter it's kind of gray and the grass is kind of you know iffy and it's winter, you know, but it's a it's a nice day today. So I'm actually able to go out. We had a snow, quote unquote, snowstorm last week. And there's, I can barely see any signs of it now. Our weather has been, we've had a mild winter. So anyway, uh, I've got with me, I decided to bring, I'm a little extra burdened with camera gear. I usually don't come here with so much stuff, but uh, why not? You know, uh, I brought my Nikon 300 attached to my Fuji in case I see any if I, in case I see any uh, hawks or birds that are really interesting um, every time I've come here last time my lens was not long enough to get a good shot of them so I got that sort of slung around you know in anticipation 
Uh, I have my other Fuji X-T2, you know, with the, uh, actually with the lens baby attached to it, because I remember that uh, Mac and Dave on, on Shutter Time, a couple of few episodes of theirs ago, uh, a little challenging, challenging me to go out and shoot with my, my lens baby. They were talking about, you know, the flaws in gear and how lens baby uh, is sort of built with flaws in it already. It's not quite the right word, but... You know, the lens baby has this reputation for making lenses that have optical, let's just call them uh, interesting characteristics, you know, with uh, some built-in blur and, and just just stuff that, you know, people might use filters for in Photoshop or on their iPhone, but the lens has it built in. So on that episode, uh, I think it was Dave challenged me to go out and shoot. And I actually, I did that day with my lens baby I have a what's called a trio 28 it's um it's kind of a funky looking lens it's silver it's only got one f-stop it's I think uh f3.5 and it's got this sort of barrel in the front that has three different lenses that have different effects in the lens and uh I actually love that lens it wasn't it wasn't a cheap lens it's made of aluminum so it's light I kind of like it, and when it's attached to my Fuji, I, I kind of feel like I'm shooting uh, a twin lens reflex camera. I have to look down at my screen, and then I'm rotating the lens. It just feels uh, old, and uh, so I've got that with me. It's always a good. That's actually a very good combination with some of the stuff I see here at the uh, cemetery. But you know, I got a bag full of lenses with me just because I'm going to carry too much. And then I've also got my Fuji. GA45 film camera. It's a medium format camera. You've probably heard me talking about it lately. And I think I got a I got one or two pictures left on the roll that I might finish up here. And I brought a couple of extra rolls of film with me uh, just in case I get into the film mode. So I'm a little burdened with equipment, you know, uh, walking around here. The weather, like I said, is nice out. Uh, we're in the flight path of LaGuardia today, so you're going to hear some planes flying over, like that. And uh, excuse my sniffles, just when it's cold, I sniffle a little bit, try to keep that to a minimum. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I figured, let me see what I can find walking around here and talk to you. I got a couple of things that are on my mind, photographically wise. And uh I don't know why. I feel like, you know, talking to myself in a graveyard is probably, <laughs> you know, it's a whistling in a graveyard kind of thing. No, I, it's, there's nothing scary about this place, actually. It's, it's a wonderful place. Uh, and it just gives me a moment to think. You know, I've done this before. You guys seem to have liked it. So, uh, yeah. I'm walking around, I don't see any birds yet. You know? You know, I'm probably carrying around too much gear for what I'm gonna do today, but you know, it's just me carrying around too much. All right, so I, I just came across a tombstone here. For a, it's a veteran's tombstone. They have a distinctive shape, like I probably mentioned before. And this one is interesting, and I'm going to take a picture of it. So it's situated here. 
The name on it is Lewis Allen, Allen Newcomb, Private Company B, 60th Mass Infantry Civil War, 1844 to 1930. But it's this last part that is intriguing me. It says Lincoln's Boy Spy. So I don't know what that means. All right, 1844. Let me take a shot of it while I'm here first so I don't forget. You know, uh, get my shutter going here. All right, so this is, is kind of nice here. Okay, so I'm going to have to investigate this Lewis Allen Newcomb, Lincoln's boy spy. Considering the Civil War started in 18... What, 61? Uh, that would have made him... 20, 19, 18, 17 years old when the war started. 16 years old. 17. Uh, and unless he was spying before the war started... I'm going to have to look this guy up. Lincoln's boy spy. You know, speaking of lots of camera equipment and the war and a war, uh, I just finished a a deep dive into the photographer W. Eugene Smith, and it came from uh, yeah, I'm right in the path of the airplanes here. <laughs> it came from the uh, I saw a post on some social media uh, a couple of weeks ago that said that Johnny Depp was going to star as W. Eugene Smith in a biopic uh, about him. And the name of it was called, and I'm going to get this wrong, I know, it's uh, Minimata, Minomata. And that is the name, I'm jumping ahead here, but that is the name of uh, a, a town, I think, in Japan that he went to photograph as one of his last photo essays where people were uh, essentially being poisoned by mercury in the water and they were eating the fish, they were eating the mercury. And there's a famous photograph of his of a mother cradling her daughter in a bath. The daughter is deformed and uh, severely uh, by the mercury poisoning, and it's a beautiful photograph. Anyway, uh, I saw the picture of Johnny Depp, and he, he looks the part, and it looks like they actually filmed it, so it wasn't like a promo, <coughs> excuse me, promo, like, a, oh, this may happen. It looks like it actually did happen. And it reminded me, excuse me for a sec, it reminded me that I haven't, looked at Smith's pictures in a long time. You know, they sort of, I don't say faded out of my memory. It's just, I just, you know, so many photographers to pay attention to these days, and even the old old ones. And so I had a book on Smith, and I browsed through it and, and saw all the pictures that I remember that he did that I loved. And it's, again, uh, these are photographs that I had seen I, I can't go how far back as a kid, you know, in, in photo books 
for as long as I've been interested in photography. And his pictures, of course, show up because he's very... He was... What's to say? He was a photojournalist that... Or photojournalist, I can't even say that. Uh, photo essayist. Uh, kind of second to none when he was when he was around. And so I'm flipping through the book and I'm seeing, you know, there's some text about him, which is the kind of book I like to look at about a photographer, even if it's, it's uh, you know, someone's writing about his life. It gets me a little bit more information about his, about his upbringing and what was going on. And I stuffed that in my backpack and started reading it in the coffee shop in the morning and just doing a deep dive. And I ended up... Uh, Renting, a, buying a movie uh, that's about him and a loft that he lived in in Manhattan. And uh, and the reason why I was like, well, I'm talking about war and lots of cameras. In, in just reading about him, he went and uh, took pictures in the Pacific in World War II uh, on Iwo Jima and Okinawa. He has some famous pictures uh, from that time that he spent uh, with the soldiers on those islands. And then he got injured severely in an explosion. Uh, and so, anyway, it made me think about that. And then, uh, in a description of another project he was doing, it was rumored uh, that he had brought with him at least 40 camera bodies and uh, as many, if not more, lenses uh, on, a, on, a, on a, a project. And so, you know, here I am carrying around... <laughs> You know, a couple few camera bodies and a couple lenses, and I'm saying that I'm overburdened with stuff. Of course, Smith was shooting film, and he also liked to have... He didn't like to switch lenses while he was while he was shooting. And for those of us from the film days, you could, you know, just imagine that we would have several film camera bodies wrapped around our necks, with uh, each with a different lens on, and maybe even different film in the camera bodies. But that's what we would do. And now, you know, zoom lenses are more prevalent, and so people tend to keep one lens on. Also, zoom lenses are now are a lot better, almost as good as prime lenses. And, uh, yeah, you don't have to carry as much. Although I'm carrying as much. Well, not as much as Smith did. <laughs> he had as an assistant. He was also shooting a long-term project. So anyway, I'm, I'm going through his pictures and, and reading about his life. And, you know, having all sorts of things come up in my mind about this. And I'm not going to spend the entire uh, walk here talking about what was going on in my mind and all about Smith. But I wanted to just tap into a couple of things. And let me see, what would be the first thing that I would talk about? Well, first of all, the guy's work, uh, you know, as I looked at it and thought about it and spent some time, especially the book I had was really well printed and uh, it, it, the book took its time going into different aspects of his life, the different stories in his life. And here comes a car. Uh, if I get hit by a car in a graveyard, I don't have far to go. <laughs> so anyway, it, uh, it really um, allowed me, the reader, to just sort of take my time with different sections of his life. And, and it was very... He had these sections in his life that, you know, like he went and uh, took pictures in World War II. He, he uh, had like a running dispute with Life magazine 
Uh, this was a photographer who wanted total control over his work, uh, how it was presented, um, you know, how much time it took him to photograph. He often would take a lot more time than was given to him. And he also rode this, this sort of fine line between creating, um, you know, something uh, photojournalistic and art. And that is a fine line that, you know, some photographers have to ride because, I mean, if you look at, if you look at um, Smith's work, it's beautiful. It's beautifully printed. The subjects are just like this, this guy, he really knew what he was doing. He knew what he wanted. Uh, he wasn't um, shy of manipulating his prints, dodging and burning, even sometimes sandwiching uh, a couple of negatives together to create uh, additional elements. So, you know, he certainly would have loved Photoshop uh, had it been around. But I don't, what he wasn't doing was manipulating pictures to change anything. What he, he was very much involved with knowing that. Uh, let me see how I could say this. I'm not going to say it as well as the writers did. But it, it wasn't the fact that the picture had to show reality in it. It had to show the photo what the photographer was experiencing is the truth of the moment. Meaning, you know, I mean, he's going into a situation. Uh, for instance, he went to Haiti and, and photographed uh, during... Uh, uh, Papa Doc's um, reign there and he was photographing uh, the general poverty and he spent some time in a in a uh, mental uh, institution there and there's one picture of a woman who's just looking crazed and and you can see a before and after shot of the printing he the the, the shot that the way the shot was made is that you could see this woman's face lit by sunlight and she's got these crazy eyes and face and you can see some detail in the background. And he was not wanting to see that. It was the important thing was this woman's face and the insanity of it. And all that extra black in the background, he ended up burning down the background so that the background pretty much became black. And then just this woman's face was popping out of, out of, the, out of the darkness. And you know, it was what he photographed there, but his intention was to focus the attention on this woman's face and, and the intensity of it. And, you know, that in some sense is a manipulation of of reality, of, the, of what he saw and what the negative was like. And yet, for him, the truth was of the, the crazy, um, this crazy, that's the wrong word to say, this mentally uh, disturbed, mentally challenged, I don't know what you want to say, this woman who was something was severely wrong with her and he his experience there was enough that the print needed to um god i'm not getting this right the print needed to show what he saw okay i mean he wasn't there to just take a shot and record reality he was there to record reality through his filter through him and how he experienced that and this goes on with with a lot of Smith's work how he you know took pictures through 
his filter and he presented pictures through his filter and it wasn't the idea to just take a shot and show all right this is what's going on here he needed to present the work in a way that said this is how i saw it and then he's riding this line between creating artwork and creating something that's going to tell the story of whatever wherever he is at the time. Um, I'm not doing justice to the full description of how he worked, but hopefully you get the gist of it. You know, go and look at his pictures. I mean, I'll see if I can post some up on the. I don't know if I'm allowed to. They're not my work, but maybe I can do it on a blog post or something. But just look at some of his work. You can see how he is manipulating the image to show how he sees things. And that's, you know, that's kind of what we're all doing right now. I mean, he is not the first person to do this, I'm sure. Although he is probably one of the first who rode that line between photojournalism and art. Um, maybe one of the first, you know. Uh, he's certainly uh, a pioneer in that, uh, especially because he was sort of the pioneer of photo essays, where he would go and spend an amount of time in one place and, and create these stories for Life magazine uh, or, or popular photography or something like that. Like, um, and so, yeah. <laughs> So Smith would take his shots and when he got into the dark room he would he'd work on them heavily and really create um, his vision of the subject you know not only in shooting but in, in processing and printing and it wouldn't be uncommon for him to print you know hundreds of prints on the same shot just to get it right because he was working in the dark room and he was dodging and burning and sometimes bleaching the print, which was a way of lightening the lighter tones using a pretty dangerous chemical. And it was all really to for him to be able to show the world through his eyes and what he saw. And it's what we're all striving to do with our, you know, when we're taking pictures and what we're trying to, what we're trying to do and you know he was the master of a photo essay you know he would uh, one for one example he uh, was he was tasked to go to Pittsburgh and and sort of do a photo essay about the city uh, in the uh, hmm, I want to get this wrong but certainly I think it was in the 50s and uh, he was he ended up doing it he ended up going there for two years straight and I think he spent another couple of years in the darkroom working the prints and then it never got published from Life magazine they were the ones who uh, hired him to uh, shoot Pittsburgh it was not maybe it wasn't uh, Life magazine it might have been the agency he worked for uh, for Magnum uh, sent him out to uh, photograph uh, the story of Pittsburgh and how it was a changing city and he 
he basically got obsessed with it and spent four years on the project, you know, and it didn't get published. The photography is just incredible from it. Photographs are, are beautiful, and it's really uh, a portrait of the city itself and not the individuals in it, but he didn't, fo you know, he did focus on some people, but the pictures weren't really about the people. It was really trying to make a, you know, a tableau of the, of what Pittsburgh was going through at that time. And, uh, you know, uh, spending four years on a, on a project and eventually not to have it published, you know, is, a, is, is, a, you know, I don't think I could think about doing that, you know, that's something that, uh, well, I've never been tasked to shoot a job like that. It's not the kind of work I do, you know, um, and I know there are some photographers out there who are still doing that kind of work, you know, in, in his, uh, you know, in that method, spending a lot of time. One of the other things about uh, Smith was that he, it's a, after the Pittsburgh assignment, he ended up breaking up with his family. And I'm, I'm really not doing a biography of him here, talking about him, just sort of jumping around, but he, uh, he, he could not maintain a family life. And he lived up on the Hudson, you know, just above New York City. And he could not afford to maintain the house. And he ended up splitting from his family. He had two or three children and a wife. And he moved to New York City. He moved into a loft on 6th Avenue between 28th Street and 29th Street. 821 6th Avenue. And I lived, although I wasn't alive when he moved there, I lived on 26th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. So not that far away from this loft. And that was considered, where he lived was considered the flower district, a place where uh, flowers were distributed all throughout the city other places and the thing about that loft sorry I'm walking up a hill so I'm out of breath here I'm gonna take a stop right here the thing about that loft was it was owned by a musician named Hall Overton and uh, it was a commercial space on 6th Avenue's commercial district and Hall had opened up the space for jazz musicians to come and uh, rehearse uh, at all times of the day and night. And Smith lived in one of the spaces and he ended up photographing for the time that he was there, four or five years, photographing all the musicians that came in. The other thing he did that was really kind of insane was he wired the entire place up for sound. He drilled holes in the floor and put microphones everywhere in the building so that he would record everything that went on. He recorded the musicians practicing. He recorded discussions in the hallway. He even recorded his own phone calls. He just recorded everything, everything, everything. And he had an untold amount of tapes of what went on there. And he also had a darkroom space there and he had all those photographs there. And this place became sort of a mecca for 
musicians to come and practice in New York City. And there's a documentary made by local uh, public radio station called uh, WNYC. They made a documentary called The Jazz Loft, according to W. Eugene Smith. And I watched that this week. And it was fantastic. Oh, wow, I can't even describe it. It is a story that weaves the jazz uh, scene that was going on in the early, late 50s, early 60s in New York with Smith's photography and Smith himself. So it's a little bit of a biopic about Smith. It does talk about his photography and and a bit of his path uh, from where he started to where he ended up. And then it talks about the jazz scene and those two things, how they sort of weave together at this at this loft on Sixth Avenue. And I highly recommend this. Now I'm not a jazz person, meaning I, I like jazz, but I don't know it. I don't know. I know some of the big names, you know, but I'm not a connoisseur of jazz. I couldn't have a conversation about it. Although I might be able to now, after watching this film. But. It, it was it was unbelievable. They used so many of his contact sheets to show the pictures that he took in the loft and 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 then they overdubbed that with the sounds that he recorded. So at some point like Thelonious Monk comes by and he's working with Hall Overton to create an orchestra to play Thelonious's music uh, as an orchestra, not a piano at a place called the Town Hall in New York City. And, you know, just listening to these guys talk. And they don't even... Well, some of them know they were being recorded, but others don't. But, you know, Smith's there taking pictures of them and recording them. And it's just a fantastic thing. So I highly recommend you watch this, even if you're not a jazz person. Uh, I think you might become a little bit one of <laughs> one after, after you watch this. But just the photography part of it and, and seeing... Uh, the parts about Smith and his life and what he did. Ah, it's well worth the rental fee. I mean, I ended up buying it because I'm going to watch this again. But I highly recommend it. And this is sort of part of my deep dive into into Eugene Smith this, this past couple of weeks. Uh, hearing that the biopic is going to be made about him with Johnny Depp. And it looks like it's the latter part of Smith's life because the last assignment he did was in Japan at the town or city called Minimata, Minomata. And it's showing Johnny Depp with a beard and looking kind of old. And, you know, uh, William, uh, William, his name is William Eugene Smith, W. Eugene Smith, died when he was 59, I think. I mean, he wasn't old. Uh, he died in Arizona. Actually, what happened was uh, he had taken a teaching uh, um, position out in Arizona. And so he moved out there when New York, I think he was no longer able to handle New York. He moved out there. He did have a position for a little while at the School of Visual Arts, which is the uh, college I went to. It was about 12 years before I went there, he was there. <laughs> Which is kind of wild to think about. Um, but he moved to Arizona and ended up having... He had a stroke while he was 
buying cat food at a supermarket. Leaving an enormous archive of work and audio tapes from this jazz loft. So, uh, you know, this is a long kind of winded way of me saying like this idea of, I, I've done this with uh, Irving Penn, you know, again, reading one book is not as, you know, I wouldn't maybe call that a deep dive, but it is for me and it might be for many other people to spend time looking at one photographer's work from the past, perhaps from these uh, photographers who, who, um, you know, sort of set the course for where we are now, because our art is very young, you know, compared to painting and sculpture and anything else. Photography is, you know, technological. And so it's only been around for less than 200 years. And so diving into some of these pioneer photographers, uh, I think is a great way to sort of find your place, our place, in in what we're doing, you know? Um, we're so used to these days not doing these, uh, spending time with one artist, one photographer. We're, we're looking at Instagram or Flickr or Facebook or whatever it is, and we're seeing, you know, a moment when one photographer did one really good shot and is very exciting and we're rarely seeing uh, an entirety of someone's work you know so I, I recommend it I you know me being sort of an older generation photographer you know having worked in film and went to school for photography you know it's the kind of the way I learned and I just think the the art becomes a little bit more, I don't know, feels a little more significant, you know, when I start to pay attention to the, f the uh, people who came before me. I start to feel that I'm not just walking around snapping shots, or at least I, it's not just the only option, you know. It helps me look at my own pictures uh, in a different way. And what I am doing, it makes me question it. And I think that's what we really need to do. We kind of need to question what we're doing. And, it, and you know, it's kind of good to question it in public, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we are now. We're, more, we're a more social society, especially in photography. Um, and I think uh, talking about what we're doing with the rest of the world is kind of a good thing. You know, I wonder if Smith would have done that had he had the time. I don't know. Smith was, he was a kind of crotchety guy, you know. He, he had one of the things his own way. So when he was like maybe having arguments with the editors at Life magazine, they were just going to let him have his way. Although they ended up firing him at some point. I think he was probably a pain in the ass, you know. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, there's so many other photographers that I love, right? And it always seems like <laughs> the current one at the time is the one I'm 
really in love with. But, you know, I look at Smith's work and look at what he did. And just that idea of that fine line between art and journalism. And the idea that, you know, it's not necessarily like the picture is not the final say. It's like, what is the photographer saying? The photographer is there and seeing these people and places and things through their own eyes. And uh, the idea that we are, we should um, let them speak through their photographs. Let their, you know, let their voice come through and however they present their work. How else are we going to see things if it's not through the eyes of someone else? How, you know, how are we going to um, experience someone else's artwork if we don't let them speak through it? So far, I've done a lot of walking and talking. I haven't done a lot of shooting. You know, speaking about my own deep dives, <laughs> not deep dives, my own sort of long term projects. Yeah, I realized I might have done a couple. I mean, you know, here I am in Greenwood Cemetery, and I come here, you know, every couple of weeks, photograph. And, uh, you know, one of the things I haven't done yet is approach the people at Greenwood uh, sort of officially about, like, hey, you know, I've done all this work of your place here. And, uh, hey, what about having a show or something? And I realized I did that... You know, at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden a while back. Wow, it's coming up on 10 years now. Jeez, where did the time go? Um, you know, I lived close to, to, to the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, and I would go there, I think I'd go there every Tuesday because it was free. And uh, I photograph, you know, throughout all the seasons. And I had a pretty good body of work to show them when I finally did approach them. And I, you know, for the life of me, I cannot remember how I did that approach. Yeah, this is going to drive me nuts, you know. It's going to happen in the middle of the night. I'm going to remember suddenly what happened. But I had a huge body of work that I had already done. And, you know, it was really, I mean, I wasn't really out to get a job there. I didn't mind when I got it. But I was going there because I really liked the place. And there's a, you know, a bit of a challenge coming by and photographing the same place over and over and over again. And even a botanical garden, geez, what a challenge that is. And, you, you know, um, you wouldn't think, you know, but it's not a, it's not a huge garden, uh, acreage wise. And I mean, I had that issue when I was actually shooting their calendars and I had to come up with a subject, sort of a theme throughout all the pictures. And, uh, the first calendar I did there was really just a then and now calendar. So I was looking at one of the original photographers who was there and finding, going through his archives and then, recording the same 
places and how they've changed over the years. And, you know, not necessarily putting my tripod into the same place that this guy did, but, you know, similar locations and so that people could see the difference. You know, that ended up being a show, uh, which was actually pretty good. It was a really nice, that was a lot of fun to do. The second year that I did the calendar was a bit more challenging because then I had to come up with another theme and and then go and photograph it. And boy, oh my gosh, that was hard. So, yeah. So when I, I ended up approaching the Botanic Garden, I had this body of work and it showed to them I was serious enough. You know, I liked the place enough and felt that I could do a good job. And frankly, I did. You know, I, I had two calendars on my belt when, we were, when I was done working there for kind of like two, three years. Plus, they, they ended up taking a bunch of my images for their, uh, for their retail, which they still sell, which is really great to see, you know. Um, and now I'm at Greenwood sort of doing the same thing. It's, uh, you know, I haven't approached anybody officially yet. But it's on the it's on the plan. <laughs> also, because I've met a couple of people that work here, I was helping to shoot a documentary here, so I got some names of people, and I do have a little insight to. I think they're uh, trying to open up their like what they are here. You know, it's not just a cemetery. It's got a lot of history here. Things that are happening here. I think they're looking to to shift things around a little bit. Also, at some point, they won't be taking in any more um, people into the cemetery because they're going to fill up. So they're trying to stay relevant. And uh, I don't know. The idea of having a photo show from stuff that I photographed here uh, appeals to me. But this idea of, like, you know, going to one place over and over again, photographing it, and then, you know, maybe making something out of it is, uh, I don't know, it appeals to me. I just so happen to live close to Greenwood anyway, too, so that sort of, it's kind of the same thing about what happened at, uh, at the Botanic Garden. Yeah, so, anyway, that's kind of my long-term project, you know. The thing is, I'm not as obsessive as Smith was, you know. There was a guy who his life into this work so much so that he ended up losing his family over 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 the work you know died young too uh I, i'm not that kind of dedicated person you know that's not the life for me I find all sorts of discarded stuff at the at the cemetery. Things that people put on graves that got blown around by the wind. 
found this uh, blue ribbon. So it looks good with the lens baby on. This maybe helps me focus the attention just on the on the ribbon. You know, it's a shot. You look at it, you know, maybe not a great shot, but this idea of in the context of the uh, the whole, you know, part of what you find in in Greenwood. You know. And I was listening to uh, what's his name. Brooks Jensen, uh, his podcast, the uh, Lens Work podcast. Uh, if you if you don't subscribe to that, I, I recommend it highly. Uh, he's I don't know much about him personally, so I haven't really spent that much time on his website. I have listened to the his podcast, and there, what's great about his podcast is they're short, between eight and fifteen minutes, and it's his. Uh, you know, thoughts about photography. And uh, there was a recent episode about there was a recent episode about how these days we're not looking for the uh, sort of the meat and potatoes <laughs> the way you said it about uh Photography. We're looking for the dessert, and that idea that we're, you know, if we're spending some time on Instagram or looking at social media, or even as the photographer, we're looking to take the one shot that says everything, and uh, we're not spending time creating all the image that sort of make up the whole story. You know, so his examples were, you know. Uh, nature forms that perfect wave that you then photograph the wave breaking or you know the perfect sunset or whatever it may be and you're not seeing sort of the before and after what leads up to that and what sort of falls away after that shot and we're all going after the one orgasmic he said <laughs> that's his words image and I really resonated with that a lot, you know, just talking to you about uh, Botanic Garden. I mean, the Botanic Garden, the job I had there was a calendar. And so I, I, I had to come up with 12, 12 shots that were sort of the highlights of the season or the month that I was shooting in, you know. And it wasn't really a deep dive into, like, all the inner workings of the Botanic Garden. And not like a, you know... I mean, we could certainly have done a documentary about the botanic garden, but that wasn't something that they were hiring me for. But even just like all the little things that make up the garden and, and spending time shooting, I didn't shoot a lot of that, you know, come to think of it. I mean, I did shoot uh, stuff for myself and things that were interesting, but I wasn't thinking about the sort of the deeper story. And, you know, here I am in Greenwood and I'm not sure what my deeper story is here so far, you know. Uh, I just photographed a, a sort of a loose ribbon that must have come off of somebody's, you know, someone put a ribbon on a grave and the wind just blew it off someplace. And I just took a shot of it on its own and it's a shot of a ribbon, you know. And it, if I show that on its own, let's say I posted that on Instagram or something for some strange reason, 
it wouldn't have any context. It wouldn't be interesting. Someone might look at it in itself as being, well, is it a good shot of a ribbon or is it not a good shot of a ribbon, you know, in the ribbon itself. But the part of it, it's part of a bigger story. It's a story about Greenwood. Now, I'm not saying it's the most interesting story about Greenwood. and just using it as an example because I just saw it and it's getting me this train of thought, you know. But, like, if I wa walked around and looked at all the stuff that's sort of left over, people put stuff on, on their loved one's markers and graves, you know, and they put plastic flowers and, and American flags and pictures, all sorts of stuff, and, and some of that stuff gets blown away. I mean, that's all part of the story here, you know. Whether or not it's an interesting part of the story or not, I don't know. But it's certainly part of what's going on here, you know. And it's a it's a deeper sort of meat and potatoes, as, as Brooks would have said. Meat and potatoes part of what I'm seeing here, you know. And so, like, you go to some place and you say, well, I keep photographing the same place. What more can I see here? And the trick is to really try to figure out what the, you know, not looking for the shot that is the one shot that says everything like I, I i couldn't certainly take a picture of greenwood one shot and said this is greenwood cemetery and say that's it you know uh, this place is is steeped in history you know uh it occupies land that that the civil uh civil war excuse me <laughs> it occupies land that the uh um revolutionary war was fought on physically you know there are many famous people buried here there's a whole ecosystem of animals and things that go on and they have events here and there's a landmarking of 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 the buildings here you know and i mean I, there's so many different layers to here and i you know i probably could spend a not a lifetime but certainly a very extended period of time recording it you know and then making a uh, well, let's say for lack of a better phrase, making a book about Greenwood that would would cover all this stuff. And so just like any photo book, you know, you pick it up and it's not just, it's not just a bunch of pictures that are the winning shots, you know? I mean, there might be a book of just winning shots, certainly. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. And I don't think Brooks was saying that there was anything wrong with that either, you know? I didn't get any sense that he was being judgmental of one way or the other of doing stuff. I did get the sense that he preferred one way or the other, like the deep spending of time and, and the meat and potatoes and stuff. And, uh, you know, I would agree with that. And looking at uh, my friends, uh, Ward Rosen and Mark Ryerson, and they made their book. Uh, I talked to Ward about it on the show a few episodes ago, but the book about the, uh, about the rodeo. Now, I know they only spent three days there, but it was a dive into those three days, you know, and it was a certainly a meat and potatoes dive into that. And there were the great shots, the pinnacle, you know, hey, these these shots are, you know, um, they're the winners. And then there's a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and the whole thing becomes sort of the photo, you know, the whole book is is one thing. We, we look at the world this way, you know, you're, you're not looking at the world at single images or single scenes you know we have ups and downs in our life as well and that all ends up being 
the story of us, you know? You know, when you go to, you know, it's funny I'm talking about this, it's free-flowing thoughts, but I'm here, I'm at a cemetery talking about this, but, you know, standing over someone's grave and just saying the only the good things about that person, we all want to remember the good things about the person and, and the highlights of their life. And then there are all the other parts, and not necessarily meaning that, you know, they're going to be standing there saying, well, he was, he was a real pain in the ass, or he gypped me out of, excuse me, or he didn't pay back those 50 bucks, or she could never cook right, you know, or any of that stuff. It's not, it's not about that, but we all fool ourselves in thinking that life is a bunch of perfect moments, and, you know... I was at uh, my friend's memorial last weekend, and uh, her children were talking about her, and, and they were the, they were the, you know, how do you sum up someone's life in 15 minutes? Well, you don't, but what I found quite um, moving was they were talking about how great she was and how she was a, a mom and a pain in the butt. And that's, that's the person I knew, too. Not that I, I knew her that well to know her as a pain in the butt. I mean, but I understand that, you know. Same thing when my mom died. Uh, I had a very complex relationship with my mom. And uh, she was a real pain in the ass. Uh, I must have been to her as well, you know, own up to my own stuff. But when it came down to summarizing who she was in front of a bunch of people, you know, a fuller story can come out. So you, you go someplace and you're taking pictures, you know, and you want to you want to experience the place. Or the person that you're photographing. Um, it's not just the one photograph that's going to say it all. You know? I'm not saying there's times when it's appropriate and not appropriate. I mean, there's times when it's appropriate that you can only have the one picture. But one of the things I think about is, is Irving Penn. You know? He, uh, he was tasked to photograph all these stars and celebrities and artists. And what did he do? He threw them into a corner. Right? He set up this studio and he created a corner out of some flats and he put them in there. The idea was to make them uncomfortable, you know, and make the viewers uncomfortable a little bit. And how do these people react in this situation? You know, the <laughs> in this case, the, the celebrities don't control the environment. The photographer is controlling the environment. And yet he's going to make a single shot of them and a portrait. And... You know, he's not there to glorify them. You know, I think so much that he was saying that. Like, I'm not going to make pictures where they're beautiful. I'm not here to, to, this is not to vanity for the, for the celebrities. I'm here to make a portrait. And his idea is to make them uncomfortable. Some of the studio settings they have, he has them, has the uh, subject sitting on, uh, you know, upside down rugs and there's wires and exposed and not a beautiful environment which I'm sure some of these Hollywood people 
you know, they're thinking they're going to walk into a studio and they're going to have beautiful lights and people are going to fawn all over them. And, and, and Irving Penn's there like, no, get into that corner. Shut up. I'm going to take a shot of you. And you can really see that idea of putting somebody into an uncomfortable environment and what comes out, you know, and he's got to make a single picture of it. And so by and, and also by showing the backgrounds and stuff like that, he's giving a fuller sort of context to the photograph as well. So again, it's not about the person. It's also about the photographer. He's showing himself in there, you know. So, anyway, maybe in that case, the, you know, having a, a single shot worked. You know, it filled in a lot more context. And there's a trick, you know. If you could take a shot that says a lot of things in just one picture, you know, there's a challenge, you know. I look around Greenwood. How could I, how could I say Greenwood in one picture? I don't know yet. I'm still looking. <laughs> I'm not sure I can find it. But I keep that in my mind as I'm uh, as I'm taking pictures. some Canada geese who are going to be willing to pose. You know, whatever. They're there. I'm here. I got a camera. What the hell, right? Been seeing a lot of Canada geese around here lately. Last couple times I've been here. In fact, I think they even had a company here to try to get rid of them. I don't think they were doing anything nasty. They were just uh, trying to shoo them away. But. Uh, you know, I got my 300 lens on. They're giving me opportunities to sh shoot, so. Canada geese are beautiful animals, I will say that. Hi guys. You want me to take a picture of you? Yeah, whatever. They're part of Greenwood's story too, I guess, huh? to him. Hi guys. And the last thing I want to do is be chased by a goose. 
There's a good one. There we go. Well, I can't say I didn't get any shots today. Got geese. Let's see how much they're going to let me get close to them. Yeah. Don't fly. I'm not trying to scare you. Silly birds. I will say it's a kind of a bitch to focus. Manual focus with a 300 millimeter lens on my Fuji. Nikon lens. I wish I had an autofocus on here. There we go. Yeah, this one guy. You can hear the geese making all their geese sounds. Where are you? There you are. We either got to zoom in, make sure it's sharp. That was not sharp. Sharp. Hey, buddy. Well, let me get close to them. I guess they don't care. They're just geese. Seen us before. Not a predator. Let's see if they'll let me walk with them. Huh? Oh my gosh, there's a lot of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That is a lot. They do breed like rabbits, don't they? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, about ten in front of me. Let's see if I go over here. We get some. There we go. That's a nice view. Oh, there you go. Peeking between the tombstones. Kitty. Oh, uh, it's not rapid fire with this camera and this lens combo. I like that I can use my Nikon lenses and my Fuji, but. A little image stabilization. Wouldn't kill me like that. Being able to focus faster. Hey, buddy. This one's about 20 feet away from me. Oh, there's two. 
Didn't see you. Fine. So I think that's it for my musings while I'm walking Greenwood Cemetery again. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I do. I like talking. Hope you guys like listening. And uh, yeah, if you got any uh, thoughts or ideas for me, please pass them along through uh, you know Twitter or Facebook. Or you could email me and get my contact info. You know what it is. We're not hard to find. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you like more of these, I like walking around and talking. You know, either here or a Redwood uh, Red Hook or someplace else. But reach out, let me know what you think. And here come the geese again. They're gonna fly right over me, right? And they didn't bomb me, so I guess I got that going for me. Anyway, thanks for indulging me in this uh, photo walk today. And uh, we'll have at it again at some point in the near future. All right. I'll see you guys in March sometime. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed my uh, little walk through the, <laughs> the cemetery. Not whistling. I didn't whistle. But the, uh, the geese certainly had, uh, they had my attention. And, yes, at that last shot, I was really lucky because they flew right over my head. And I actually looked up. I think you're not supposed to do that when geese are flying <laughs> over you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like I said, as you notice, all was good. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. But uh, there was, I... You know, I was, I was rattling some information off the top of my head while I was walking through, so I got some things wrong, I know. And first of all, I know at one point at the beginning I said that uh, Eugene Smith died when he was 51. No, I think he died when he was 59. And he certainly wasn't he certainly wasn't an old guy when he died. Uh, and there's probably a few little things that I'm not, you know, you know, I was just, again, like I said, I was going off the top of my head about the facts and uh, about uh, Eugene Smith. So I might have gotten a few things a little mixed up, but the gist is there. You know, and so, uh, yeah, again, these deep dives with photographers, it's, it's something I really enjoy doing. And I really, really, really recommend uh, if you're interested in photography that you that you give that a try. Pick up a book uh, or a bunch of books, find movies or documentaries about photographers and, uh, you know, go for it. Because going into, you know, a, uh, this deep dive with with one person is um, I think it's really uh, well, I'm just repeating what I'm saying through the walk, but I really do think it's a satisfying way to experience the art and, and someone behind it. And you know what? It doesn't have to be photographers, you know? It can be any artist or a writer or even just like a biography about somebody. It's really interesting to spend time with one person. So anyway, highly recommend it. So anyway, that's the show. Uh, we'll work on some stuff for March. We'll, we'll have, I don't know, we'll have, we, what is this we stuff? It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah until then you know look for me on uh twitter and instagram at am rosario and at switch the number two manual i'm there under both names uh again i 
didn't quite figure out what I'm doing with Switch to Manual yet, but I would suggest, like, don't go to the website, you know, for the time being. I'm, I'm kind of leaving uh, Switch to Manual off for a little while while I figure things out. But, you know, you can find a lot of the information on the Podbean page where the this uh, show is hosted. So it's, uh, I believe it's switchtomanual.podbean.com. And, uh, yeah, drop me a line. I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, I like Facebook. I love uh, chatting. I know it's the old person's place, but, you know, whatever. There's a lot of people on Facebook and there's a lot of stuff to do. And uh, just reminding me, you know, getting into, don't get into fights on Facebook. I should just listen to my own advice here. I'm not getting into a fight. Anyway, I will, uh, like I said, I'll table that for, uh, you know, a later episode because whatever's going on is about photography. Uh, so we'll, we'll table that for later. Anyway, thanks for joining me. I will, uh, see you guys in March. And, uh, Hey, if you have any suggestions for shows or stuff you want to answer, just drop me a line. I'm happy to, uh, I love, you know, bouncing ideas around with you guys and, and maybe including them as part of the show. So anyway, see you in the middle of March and thanks a lot and adios.